Welcome to episode 23 of the Cordyceps Crew, an unofficial podcast for HBO's The Last of Us. My name is Richie, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Klopp. Buongiorno. <laughs> oh, a little different today. And, t- and today, we're going to find ourselves stranded in... Oh. <laughs> today, we're going to find ourselves stranded in the Paris of Appalachia, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. uh, now now that makes a little bit more sense, although Buongiorno is not... No, that's irrelevant. I was just trying to <laughs> to think of like fun little nicknames for Pittsburgh. It's like the Steel City, but that didn't feel that didn't feel like momentous enough. So I went on Wikipedia and looked up some of the nicknames for for Pittsburgh. And yeah, the Paris of Appalachia, uh, which I don't I don't mean I don't know what other cities are in Appalachia, but I guess that's a nice little moniker. Yeah, I mean. To compare another city to Paris is pretty bold. I mean, that's just like just in general, and I feel like Pittsburgh in itself. I mean, not, not no offense to anybody who lives in Pittsburgh. I'm just saying, like, well, have you have you been to Pittsburgh before? I've been there a long time ago. I was there a long. Time it's a ago. it's a cool city. There's like a decent bit going on. It's like it's it falls in the mold of like old kind of old. Uh, municipal like steel working city that's been repurposed for the arts. I feel like there's a lot of like cities that kind of die and then find new life by diversifying their economy and stuff. And Pittsburgh is definitely, I mean, if we're retrograding the other towns and cities in Appalachia, then maybe, you know, Pittsburgh does have the same quality as, mm. as Paris, but uh, I was going to say yeah, it's, it's cool city. basically Paris. <laughs> yeah. Basically Paris. It, it's cool. Um, wow. Well. I'll have to I'll have to upload a photo oh, yeah. to uh to Instagram with the comparison of uh Paris and and, and Pittsburgh. Uh <laughs> which is my attempt at segueing into our notes and <laughs> that you should follow. Oh, that was not a great segue, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying out here. I'm trying. Uh I'm just trying to give everybody a reason to come on and follow us on Instagram and um also Twitter. Uh which I mean I know these days is a tough is a tough sell. Uh, maybe maybe we'll join Threads or Thread or whatever the fuck that new app is called. Threads, what the hell is that? You haven't heard it? of that? It's 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 uh, Mark Zuckerberg's Twitter rival. Got oh. like like ten thousand or ten not ten thousand ten million people sign up the first day. It's a pretty big deal. Wow. So maybe okay. maybe we'll be a uh, a Threads a Threads podcast. Hey. You know what? I, at this point, I'll I'll give it a shot. Why not? Because uh, maybe that's where all the people because, listening to because Twitter is dying. Twitter is dying, and uh, if I wanted a blue check mark, I could just pay for it, and that's cool. Um, but other than that, uh, if if you if you're gonna hop over to Instagram, Twitter, or Threads, uh, you could also rate and review us on Apple and Spotify or wherever you're listening to our podcast. It only takes a second and it helps us out a whole lot. So uh, we would yes, appreciate that. And um, if you want to be extra cool, you can come by the YouTube she channel and uh, watch watch my uh, playthrough of The Last of Us, uh, we, where we basically, I record our game, my gameplay each week uh, and it coincides pretty nicely with our conversations. So... Uh, do that. And then, last and certainly not least, you can send us emails, which I would love. I would love to have some emails to talk about um, and, and interact with you guys, the the, the listeners, viewers, um, whatever medium you're watch, you're, you're using. Um, and you can do that at cordycepscrew at gmail.com. So that would be awesome if we get some. That would be delightful. Emails. 
Yes. It would be, it would be superb. My, uh, my cat is already, it's like a repeat of last week. You can see her. She's on a. It's not going to be an exact repeat because my dog is not down here with me. So I will not have any <laughs> errant feces on the floor in this episode. This is going to be a feces free episode, y'all. It's very All important right. to me. Hell yeah. I hope that makes sense to my cat. She's never done that before. So, I mean, it would be wild if she just immediately shot on the floor. Um, yeah. So all we have to do is make sure that we don't crap our pants. <laughs> we are good to go. Night is still young. It could happen. It could happen. Um, speaking of people who try not to crap their pants, uh, Ellie. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we, we didn't talk about this last time. Um <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a very that was I'm, a I'm, hell of a segue. I'm really trying with these segues, and maybe I'm trying a little too hard. Um, <laughs> but I had I had no idea where you were going with that at all. Like <laughs> no idea at all. It's a very niche reference in, in the game where she, she says yeah, a, where she talks about crapping her pants. Isn't yeah. that after the first clicker encounter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. in the show and in the game. I think she says, uh, "Whoa, I didn't crap my pants." Um, and Joel asks if she's okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're not at that part of the game. We're at the part of the game where we have uh, just left Bill's town. Uh, we're on the road. We have our car battery and our car, and uh, we are. Um, and Ellie is Ellie's shown a little bit of her uh, a little bit of her personality. Um, she her, rambun- her rambunctious side. Yes, uh, this is. I think this is like really like the first. This is the first moment we get where. Ellie is really comfortable, I think, with Joel. Like, like, like. It's like the first banter. They, they, it's, I mean, they kind of like talk back and forth when they're in Billstown, but mm-hmm. it's mostly just Ellie commenting and Joel grunting. This is the first like back and forth banter that yeah, they Joel, have. Yeah, Joel's giving a little bit more than just, uh, just like, a, okay, uh, great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and this is like I I really love this scene. I think most people do, and it's why it was kind of like one for one included in the show. Um, and it um it all culminates with Ellie revealing that she's rifled through all of Bill's uh, belongings uh, <laughs> and stolen quite a few things, amongst which was a cassette tape, um, which plays that song "Alone and Forsaken." I think it's called right. I think there's it's a it's a um, oh, fuck. Why is his name escaping me now? Um, I don't remember the artist. I know the name is Alone and Forsaken for sure. This is gonna uh, who? Oh my God. Well, he, uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays him in a documentary, and he's like one of the most fa- one of the most famous country musicians of all time. Hank Williams and not Hank Williams. <laughs> uh, all right, Richie, uh, we're gonna edit some of this out, but I'm looking this up right now. I feel really dumb. For... Should I just edit it off to the point where you figure out what it is and then? No, Johnny Cash, motherfucker! It's Johnny Cash. It's Johnny Cash. Yeah, really? Alone and Forsaken is is uh, Johnny Cash. Okay. Oh wait, no. <laughs> it's a, it's Hank Williams. It is Hank Williams, motherfucker. <laughs> I feel like I have to keep right. this in. I feel like keep I... that in. That's my bad. Um, but yeah, so it's the uh, Alone and Forsaken by Hank Williams, but. Also, uh, Bill's uh, porno mag, which uh, is is a, always a fun interaction. So, yeah, um, and it's where we 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 have the the unofficial confirmation that well, 
unofficial official confirmation that Bill's gay, but they mm. never explicitly say it in the game. They just let you, the discerning gamer, figure it out. Yeah. Um, what do you What do you prefer? Do you Do you think that you know? Like, obviously, it was made you know decades apart, and there's been social progress since then. Do you Do you wish that they had been a little bit more explicit with it, like they are in the show, or do you think it kind of serves its purpose here? I mean, I think it's. I mean, listen. It's not. It's not explicit in the sense that they don't say straight up like, "Oh, like Bill is gay." Like, but I think it's pretty yeah. obvious. I mean, like it, it's yeah. like it's as obvious as you can be without saying like, "Oh, I'm gay." You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, you know, I mean, like he he literally says that he has a partner. We find said partner where we see how he reacts to you know, losing said partner. And then also we find, you know, Ellie had find some, you know, clearly, uh, you know, a gay porno mag. I mean, it's, I think, I think it doesn't leave a lot to the imagination in my, in my opinion, but I mean, there's, I mean, I'd say something about the discerning gamer. There's, there's plenty of people that, that, uh, were unhappy with some of the homosexual relationships in the last of us part two and the show, uh, because they yes. weren't able to pick out this very obvious point because it's not spelled out for you. It's just, you know, there's, there's two and two and most people can put up together four, except for, you know, the people who can't. Yeah. So. I think, I think it's also just more that there, that people are so willing to, or so uncomfortable or, with their own yeah they bl- like put their own blinders on yeah <laughs> right yeah it's like they were searching for any out that's like oh it can't possibly be this like it's like they can't possibly be gay i don't know at, at this point it's like it's just like playing through this like the third or fourth time or whatever i'm like i, I just don't see how it's possible somebody could like miss this detail anymore oh. but i'm gonna i'm gonna hey. bring us back to the salient point from our third episode people are gay y'all yeah, it it's, happens. It's a thing. It happens. <laughs> it happens. It's just sho- it's shocking. Um, actually, not so shocking. I should shouldn't even uh, I shouldn't even joke no. about it. So after Ellie throws the magazine out the window, we we kind of were hinted that you know we're we're on our way to Pittsburgh. Um, Ellie takes a nap, even though she says she's not going to. Um, and we get to the um interaction where uh. There, uh, you know, a man comes into the road, right? You know, kind of in downtown. I, I would say it's downtown Pittsburgh at that point, right? Um, and he's seems hurt and he's looking for help. Um, I, I guess, I, I wanted to get your opinion on this. What, what? I know, like, it's not necessarily like always a case of like, what do you think? Who did this better, the show or the game? Like I know that like they're both different things, and like they they each do what you know they each do their their own thing very well. But like which which version did you prefer? I know they're pretty similar, but um, uh, I mean, they're yeah. I don't really have a strong preference. They're they're similar enough. They don't diverge enough for me to have a strong preference either way. Yeah. I think the the ensuing combat is more extensive in the game, but I think it's a little bit more tense in the show because Joel like almost dies, you know, uh, when when that that like kid is like squeezing him out and Ellie shoots him dead right there. Um, mm. I, I don't, you know, I think there's a little bit of differential there. Otherwise, I think it's pretty similar. 
Yeah, it's pretty similar. I, I, I agree. I think the more I think about it, I think I do like the show version um, a little bit better because of that interaction with the with the uh, Pittsburgh, like the kid. Um, yeah. It it kind of it, it kind of reels in the the reality that this show is extremely brutal, um, and like that's the tone that it, it like sets the tone like uh, really well in the show. Um, I I think in the game at this point you've already gathered that it's pretty it's a pretty brutal it's a pretty brutal experience. Um, I do really it's miss also like. Sorry, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say I I do really miss the he ain't even hurt line. Uh in the in yeah. the show i think that 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 is way cooler than whatever he said in the show i can't even remember but um that that, that i think is a that's a badass line that i really wish stayed but that's about the it is thing. it's also like uh it's something that i was pondering in this particular playthrough is up until this point in the game there's been a clear kind of like uh i would say not good and evil, but certainly black and white as to the antagonistic forces. When you're the boss in QZ, the bad guys are Fedra. I think it's pretty understandable. Like Fedra is a authoritarian militaristic force. So like regardless of, of what you think their position is in enforcing society, like you can construe them as bad guys pretty easily. Right. And then, and then you fight a lot of infected infected become the main enemy for the next, you know, uh, next good chunk of the game. But now that you come into Pittsburgh and the enemies are not, you know, an authoritarian uh, dictator military force Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, ravenous, mindless, infected, uh, they're bandits. And and then, you know, as soon as this encounter is done, which I want to talk a bit about the encounter, we learn that Joel used to be a bandit. And it kind of like this is when the. I think some of the morally gray starts to creep in like the show does yeah. really well. It's like, these are just people, you know, like uh, obviously Fedra are just people too, but like these people were in the same boat as Joel. Joel was in the same boat as them, you know, like after, uh, after the collapse of society, like most people found themselves in this situation and, now they're just kind of doing whatever they need to do to survive. It just so happens that in their case, it's trying to kill Joel and Ellie, but like put yourself in their shoes and we learn more about these hunters as, as we progress through the level, but they're not like entirely evil or authoritarian or militaristic. They're just an organized band of people trying to survive that might have gone kind of too far down the, uh, down the bloodthirsty role. But like, I think they're they're not entirely yeah, I mean, I think they've their kind of uh, moral principles have collapsed to the point where it's a little less morally gray here. But you know, there is there is a little bit of gray as you go through the level and learn more about these hunters. And yeah. you know, the first the first hint that you have is after you kill them and you find out what they've been doing, and and then Ellie's like, "Hey, like you, how'd you guy? How'd you know that guy wasn't hurt?" Joe's like, "I've been on both sides." Ellie's like, have you killed people? And Joel's like, uh, I don't want to talk about it, basically. Yeah, but, she uh, says, She says, have you killed innocent people? Like, just, like, very straight up. Uh, which yeah. is, like... Um, I think it's a pretty insane question to ask, in this, given the circumstances. But I guess she is trying to figure out, like, what kind of guy... What kind of guy am I with right now? Like, It's insane that it, he implies that he has. And Ellie's like, yeah, okay. Same yeah. thing in the show. And it kind of it illustrates 
the dire circumstances of their world that it's not a deal breaker for Ellie. Not that she has much of a choice, but you know, she doesn't leave him in disgust when she finds out that he used to be a hunter, like a bandit, a, a killer of innocent people. Cause you sometimes you have to, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, is that a conversation before or after they like lift, she, uh, they lift the uh, garage gate and come across the, that's that's after. Oh, that's so after. That, that happens after. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't so, know. so let's let's go through this. I mean, this combat encounter is pretty intense. So let's yeah. kind of like reset. Uh, I think it for me, it's not it's not my favorite. It's it's obviously not the most expansive, but it is one of the most tense ones for me because of the preamble. Um, driving away from the ambush and then getting you know t boned by that bus, um, and then when you're in the car a couple people jump you and you like there's a quick time event and you like smash someone's throat against broken glass. And then that starts the encounter. And then you fight off a couple waves of infected or not uh, of, of hunters. Um, where does, where does this rank for you in terms of the most intense encounters in the game? Um, it's, it's definitely up there. I would say, I mean, even for me, I- I think the word that I, that comes to mind is brutal. Like this is like he Joel kills yeah. two guys in that cut uh quick time event like in like a ridiculous like ridiculously brutal ways. Like like you said the gla- the the guy with the glass like the fact that he's being held and like you know he himself is is like being pushed towards the glass and then he t- flips the script on the on the hunter and uses the glass against them uh is you know, intense and, and brutal. And then he smashes a guy's face, uh, against, um, like a, like a cabinet or, or a, a drawer basically. Um, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a heightened, it's definitely a heightened moment for sure. I mean, it's, it, they do a really good job here of throwing a lot at you at once to be worried about, especially, you know, from being grabbed out of, the truck and then you know ellie is you know being you know dragged dragged away and that like little that little health circle comes around her where you need to protect her like all these yeah that always that's an always oh shit moment yeah yeah it's like okay i actually need to get to ellie like quickly um so yeah i think it's it's up there for sure like in terms of like tense moments um i would i think it's number i i kind of put a number on it in my head it's number three for me i'll I'll tell you my two and one when we get to that but i think this is okay (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty it's it's in the top top three um, I, I would say it's th- i would say if i had to get i haven't really given it that much thought but i would say that makes sense yeah that, that definitely yeah. Makes, that tracks. i did put you on the spot here so i wouldn't it's expect okay. you to have a <laughs> all right i i i i uh over explained so <laughs> that's that's what i did <laughs> as a as a uh as a defense mechanism um but yeah. yeah, then you get into that garage and you find the corpses of all the people, all the your the other victims of these hunters, and Ellie makes the you know comment like this could have been us. I think that's when you start to realize like what's happening here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think that 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 was kind of shocking to me that she was able to. I mean, like she, I know she's seen so much, um, but there is something like starkingly different when you come across like just butchered remains of like of people like it's just like that's not that's not just you know defending yourself and like 
killing because you have to like that's that's a a level of evil in my like in my i mean i don't even think my opinion i would needs say to be said. depravity is a better word yeah i mean it just it seems it seems unnecessary to me being to, to kill them rather than well it's kind of like if you if you strip them of their belongings and send them out you know back where they came from they're as good as dead anyway right at yeah. least they're not eating them like some other people will come across later yeah <laughs> yeah i i mean well I, well I, what i mean is like i don't know it just seems like there was a lot the way that they did it was not great i don't know yeah. maybe maybe i'm looking too much into it but it just it seemed like it was more torture esque rather than it, just. It doesn't. It doesn't strike me as torture esque. They're not like they're not like chopped up in pieces. They're just dead. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, they they look yeah. ve- worse for wear. I mean, for sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, but. um, I don't know. Uh, it, it, to, to me, it's just. I mean, it's not. It doesn't. You know, it doesn't warrant that much conversation, I suppose. But I mean, it definitely. I. It definitely gets the message across that the hunters are no joke. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, I really like the structure of the storytelling. So, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but this whole um, Pittsburgh level tells a a larger story in parallel of you trying to escape of kind of the story of these hunters and how they came to be. And the show tells a version of this, of overthrowing Fedra and kind of the rise and fall of this little rebellion. But this tells it's, it's less personalized and that there's not like a central protagonist in Kathleen. Um, And it's also a little later on into this rebellion process, but you start your, your first impression of the hunters is like, Oh, these, these guys are fucked up. They try to kill us. They've killed a bunch of other people for their shit. Like, Holy fuck. These guys are, you know, no joke, depraved killers. Um, and you, you come across like their, their beddings. You can tell that they're kind of like camped out here. Like this is their way of life. And that's the first impression you get of them. And I think it's really smart to, to start that way. So your first thing is like, Oh, these guys are no, no doubt. 100%, you know, no humanity left. And then you, as you continue on into the next area, you get to a street that's piled with uh, abandoned cars and some of them have dead bodies in them. Um, and Ellie makes the remark, there's Ellie asks kind of like why there's so many dead bodies and what happened to these bodies. And Joel's like, Oh, it was probably the military, like mowing people down. And Ellie's like, they do that. And Joel's like, yeah, yeah, they do. (laughs) And then you, there's graffiti on the wall about give us our rations. And Ellie's like, wait, the military withhold rations. And Joel's like, yep. Yeah, they do. And so uh, shortly thereafter, there's a couple notes about from the military is like, hey, these there's there's rebels here. You know, they're they're trying to overthrow us. And it's kind of like, oh, well, now we know these aren't just, you know, fucked up bandits like these were rebels that used to be part of this quarantine zone that clearly there was friction. So like very early on, you get one impression and then you're like, oh, okay, I kind of see what's going on here. And it starts to plant the seed of like, who are these people and how do they happen? And I like, I really, really like the kind of uh, parallel storytelling that goes on in this, on this little Pittsburgh section. And it starts, you know, right away. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that's a good point because it definitely flips it from like just ruthless, like, 
awful people to like a level of desperation for sure. So I, yeah, I, desperation I think, is is a great word. Yeah. So that is that is a good point that I probably wasn't taking into consideration before when I was talking about them. But um, yeah, I, I do really like the the graffiti. Like if you stop and like just take a look at like little each little graffiti mark kind of like on these walls. Like I think it's um. It's just it's a cool another level of that like environmental storytelling that they use. Like it's just very um it says a lot without having to show much or having to do much. And I think that they they just they under like Naughty Dog just really understands like how to use their space like very well. Yes. Um, and it was definitely uh in full effect here uh, in this section. Um and also their chronology. I mean, you've spent some time like something that the show didn't, I guess, kind of demonstrated. But when you're in the Boston QZ, like you see the the bowels of that space and you interact with the military and you see them, you see a, a ration line that's that's, you know, like, you know, uh, a couple hundred feet long before it, you know, before the break of dawn and you see the military, you know, uh, sterilizing and and killing people. You see, you know, some some fucked up shit in the like the marketplaces there, and you you can kind of get the the organic feeling from exploring that space that it's on the cusp of rebellion. You know, like the military does that a couple more times, and you know maybe it won't just be the fireflies that are rising up against the military. Maybe it'll just be the common folk. And now you you're thrown into a space where it's like, oh, this is the Boston QZ just five years later. You know, right. you've already seen what it's like when it's kind of like a powder keg. So what happens when the powder keg explodes? Well, here you are. You're going to explore it. And I really like that they they kind of cut your teeth in an area where it hasn't happened yet. But you were in it. You understand the tension. You understand the feeling. And it's all environmental storytelling. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's a great it. They just do so well. They just do so well yeah. with like showing like these little um, vignettes and and, and little parallels and stuff. I yeah. love that, that word. You've put me on to that word, and I, I like to use it in any chance I can. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, as we're as we're kind of like making our making our way uh, making our way through <laughs> the we <laughs> um, we're, we're we're trying to make our way through Pittsburgh and. Um, we get that little section where, uh, Ellie starts to, to whistle like, and like that, I, I love this payoff. Like, it's just like, like just out of nowhere. Right. Just like a, like it, there was like a little conversation piece before we meet Bill and now it's paying off, you know, <laughs> a couple hours later. Um, didn't they, if, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess, um, it's just worth mentioning. Like, it's just like more attention yeah. to detail, uh, that they, there's that so they many little, little conversation pieces like that. And then, uh, that happens right before the, there's a, a tiny combat encounter in the street. Um, yeah. and then after that, she tells you your first joke, which comes out of nowhere. I mean, if you've never played the game before, obviously for yeah. those of us that are familiar with the character jokes are one of Ellie's things. But like the first time she pulls out a joke and starts telling it, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, like where is she? Where is she coming up with this shit? Um, I don't even. Do you remember the the joke itself? I don't. Um, I'm trying to. I don't remember the individual joke she tells at each each section, but you know, 
something like there. People are telling apocalypse jokes like there's no tomorrow. Uh, I think my favorite part is it's not just that they thought to have, you know, Ashley Johnson have Ellie read jokes, but like they write it in that sometimes she messes up the joke and then like laughs about it or she, you know, doesn't understand the joke or she tells that the apocalypse jokes. She's like, Ooh, too soon. Like she, they, (laughs) they really included some, some realism in the writing because not everyone nails the delivery of every joke. It's very, very real. I guess, do you want to talk about the, uh, the little conversation of the three hunters that like kind of blow up our spot, I guess, or do you want to, what did they, I forget what they, I mean, listening to the hunters conversation is valuable because they kind of talk about what's going on in the city. Right. Yeah. I think that that was really the only thing to bring. I kind of like this, that moment just like, because I think it's something that you can, you can miss. Right. I think like in games you have this instinct, right. To like, you see the bad guys, Right. And we've established that they're definitely bad guys. And you can just you can just like they pop over the wall and you can just kill them instantly if you really like chose to do that. Or you can let them walk by. I mean, you you could literally just hide off in a corner like they'll they'll have their conversation and you can just like let them keep walking, which I think is what I usually choose to do. Um because I'm just like try. I sometimes I try to put myself in the mind like of that character, like, like role play as them. But like, like I feel like trying to fight these three guys, you don't know what's beyond them. Like, it, it it's kind of just like cool to just sit back and and gain the information and then you know move on. I don't know if that makes me lame or what. I've but literally just... never tried to let them live. I always just fucking shoot them all. Really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, fair enough. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I almost always let those three, let those three go. Uh, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever killed them. Just, I uh, do think that's really interesting. Something we haven't talked about, and this is in all, all Naughty Dog games. So the Uncharted games are like this too. Like most of their combat encounters are optional especially in the last of us and some in the uncharted games where actually now that I'm thinking back to uncharted, I don't remember how many are actually optional or not. I think uncharted four, they're more optional, but if you sneak through them, there is usually kind of an obstacle at the very end and they usually have enemies placed. So it's not easy for you to sneak past these encounters, Mm -hmm. but you can, there's usually some kind of obstacle, like a, like a, a door or like a, you know, a dumpster in the way that you have to, you um, have to open or something. You have to yeah. open and it takes a few seconds. So if you've like aggroed a lot of the enemies and they're all after you, they'll probably catch up to you at that point and kill you. But right. if you've been sneaky enough or you've thrown off the trail, you can, you know, sneak out. I really, really like that because I do think that's realistic. Like maybe mm. killing, you know, I, I can see show Joel, like killing one or two people and then sneaking around and just getting out of there rather than risking more harm yeah. by trying to fight everyone all at once. Right. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, and it's kind of a perfect segue for our bookstore conversation because uh one of us uh skipped a large portion of this (laughs) when they played it last time that would be me um but uh yeah i guess i guess let's talk about it you'll you'll have to carry this part of the the conversation because um it is it is a very large and open part like an encounter uh this bookstore section you kind of go through these um uh 
like security gates. Uh, and that's where a lot of conversation about like what Fedra, uh, you know, holding rations and, and doing and uh, how they act. Uh, and Ellie's not like aware of it. Like that's where a lot of that conversation happens. Um, and then, yeah, you're, you're thrown into this bookstore encounter. Um, and I guess I'll ask you what your strategy is because I, mine is very, I, I, very unintentionally uh, was very straightforward and, 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 uh, and easy, but you just sneak through. It, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just went to the right and went up yeah. the stairs and you, you'll see if you, if you watch the playthrough on YouTube, uh, is, uh, <laughs> I will. I will. Cause I'm curious how you did that. Yeah. Uh, I really like this encounter. I think it's, it's the biggest so far. And I think it's one of the bigger ones in the game. Um, and it's also, you know, uh, vertically large because there's a couple different stories, uh, which is, I think the first time you really have that where there's like two, two floors worth of enemies. Um, um, probably. Yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah. Um, so I really like the verticality of it, the interconnectedness and the multiple sight lines, but it's tough. Like I almost always die in, at this section at least once. Um, and I, I consider myself yeah. pretty good at this game, but there's a lot of people. So yeah, you, I guess some you, people die fuck. at this part of the game. Yeah. If I'm actually trying to fight, which I always, <laughs> I also always like clear out every enemy. So that's, you know, but I usually, I usually stick to the left um, and there's, there's kind of a, there's like a, a, a little corridor to the left with, with some cover. Um, and there's three or so enemies that will kind of circulate on this outside area. There's like a little courtyard. So I usually try to stealth them and take them out. And then I'll kind of slowly go into the building. Um, there's three that kind of talk to each other. When you first enter the bookstore, I'll usually blow them up with a needle bomb. Um, and then that sets everyone else off. And eventually some of them will start kind of trickling outside to explore and I'll kind of pick them off one by one until I feel like there's, there's usually only like four or so left in the bookstore and I'll kind of just stealth my way through. And then eventually I'll just start, you know, opening fire. Once there's, once there's not that many, I'll just kind of pick them off with my, my headshots. So I must, I got to tell you, I think that this part of the game must, the, the difficulty selection must matter a lot because <laughs> i <laughs> i don't very think I sneak through yeah it, yeah it's 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 interesting I, I, I would i would be interested to see your approach on the higher difficulty doing exactly what i did and seeing if it's possible because i, I literally like i knew that there were about 10 to plus people but i think i only encountered like four um like and you just snuck past them all. So I basically like because like when you immediately come through those security gates, right? They're having the conversation, right? And you can you can kind of immediately go right into the bookstore. Yeah, and it, that's where it's like kind of two levels, right? So I basically snuck by there, got to the stairs, went up to that second level immediately, um, and then the that's where I did like my killing i took out the bow i took out a few guys i had a one really long range shot which is was pretty awesome um (laughs) but uh but after that i mean that top level if you don't alert anybody i mean that's where you proceed to the next area is right at that um that top level i think as i was playing i even said like 
Yeah, I think uh, there's probably some collectibles in here somewhere, but uh, yes. <laughs> a couple so, have to talk about this. <laughs> not only do you miss collectibles, but that's there's another um, uh, conversation for Ellie's jokes here. And she only will tell the jokes once you've killed everyone. So if you want to hear the next batch of jokes in the bookstore, you have to kill everyone. That's that's another reason why I always kill everyone because there's it's easier to collect the collectibles and sometimes there's optional conversations in combat arenas. So okay. yep, you missed you missed some jokes and you missed a couple uh I, I believe there's a shiv door, um and I know that there is uh at least two notes in the area. So Okay. You missed well. them. That's, you uh, missed him, baby. I missed him, man. I missed him, but I, but I but didn't have got, to kill as many answer. people. I, I, I was, I was doing a pacifist, a pacifist approach. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I you know sometimes, I mean sometimes that happens in games. So like you, like you don't always know exactly where you're going. And for me, like it had just happened in this situation where I was like, I just so happened to guess the exact like perfect point from point A to point B like line. And I just didn't explore any of the other stuff on the side. Yeah. So um, I will guy. say like this game uh, is good. The next game is better for speed running tactics, like watching people speed run through the, through the last of us part two in particular and make use of all of the um, like, just having every single route memorized, every enemy placement memorized and just like sprinting through and like hitting everything perfectly, like watching people speed run this, this yeah. game and the last of us part two is magical. Yeah. There are absolutely some people magical. who are just absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. at the last they time. perfect all the yeah. enemy placements. They know exactly where everyone's going to be. So they, they kind of have their, their throwing angles down and they just, just go for it. It's, it's incredible to watch. Yeah, and there's a lot of atom mechanics in The Last of Us Part Two that make it especially interesting, like being able to be be prone and yeah. you know, like the dodging mechanics and things like that. So it's definitely very uh, satisfying to watch somebody who like really understands how to like pilot the character and like how to how to like um, take it to the extreme. But um, after, unless you wanted to talk about specific collectibles in the bookstore that not, not in the I bookstore, but I do want yeah. to talk about some collectibles after the bookstore. Once you, uh, you get onto the flooded street. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about them then. Um, because we do, oh, the flooded streets when we see, we do see that, like that military truck, which yep. is kind of, was, was a little bit of a, a shout out in the show as well. Um, that, cause that had a very, uh, prominent role in the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely getting a little bit serious, right? At this moment, like, it's like you just came across, if you play, if you're a club, you just fought off a bajillion guys and it feels like you didn't even make a dent into what their, their reserves are. Um, but yeah, what's the, uh, what collectible, what, what, what collectible have I missed? Clearly. <laughs> Well, so there's an if you if you take a, a right, there's an optional conversation. There's a picture of a model in the window, and mm-hmm. you can talk to Ellie about that. And she's like, "Why is she so skinny? Like, it, you know, is, do people really care about that back then?" Um, and it's one of the it's one of a few times that she expresses that sentiment. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe about what people cared about back then. And it is kind of like a shit. Yeah, like what the fuck are we even doing with so many of the things we care about? You know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 
when you have to worry about literal survive survival, I feel like yeah. what you look like in a bikini is probably not that important. Right. Yeah. So Maslow's yeah. hierarchy of needs, which yeah. I, I believe has been disproven, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> the, the thing I really wanted to talk about though, was, was back to this, the, the parallel story of the, the hunter's rebellion. So, um, once you get out in the flooded street, you see uh, you see some uh, hunters uh, going into the hotel, which uh, we'll talk about in our next episode. You mm. see the truck, but there's also a shiv door here, which I almost always miss unless I have a guide up because it's pretty sneaky. Um, and there, it just it lets you into a little lobby, and there's a note in there called the mother's note. And uh, it's from the perspective of a woman who said, they, you know, I had to bury my son today. They labeled him a traitor and they hung him for it. Um, and now I'm going to join the rebellion, basically. So hmm. um, it's the first time that we get a note from the perspective of one of the the hunters before they became hunters, like the rebels. Yeah. And it's the perspective of a mother who's like, this is probably the early days of the rebellion when Fedra was cracking down. We know that Fedra was like, you know, killing people and hanging people. We see that we've seen that so far. Um, and it's like, she says like, I'm going to join the rebellion now. And you're like, Oh shit. Like this rebellion wasn't just about, you know, uh, I don't know, being bloodthirsty like this, this, this rebellion had a, a human root and had a cause. It had a, a human root to, to throw off the shackles of oppression. And like, this feels a lot like Boston and like the more and more you read about it and the more notes you find like this, the more that you realize that this, this, place wasn't very different from the Boston QZ not that long ago. That's why I really, really like this note. I think it's an integral part to this story. Yeah. And I think it's also worth like noting too, that there at one point, Joel earlier, Joel says that like most of the QZs end up this way. Um, yeah. That, that Boston is actually one of, I mean, and like you say, like you're saying, like it's starting to show cracks in the Boston QZ. But I mean, like Boston, the Boston QZ is like an exception to the rule, it seems, uh, where most of these QZs are turning into, you know, um, you know, housings for rebellions and and, and uprisings. And um, it's it's definitely it's a little eerie. um to think that that might happen if, if something like this were to happen, God forbid, you know, um, that, you know, people would, um, you know, uh, that, the, that the government would take, you know, the government would take their, their authority into, into bad, into bad standing. <laughs> we would have to do, we would have to do something. But, um, I mean, unfortunately that, that is the course of not, not a lot of rebellions, but there's certain rebellions under certain conditions where that is almost always the outcome when it's, when it's uh, a rebellion against, you know, uh, some kind of authoritarian regime. Um, uh, oh, what almost always happens is some kind of guerrilla warfare, but if there's no organization in place and there's no real kind of uh, organized government let it re- let it ready to rise up then the 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 power vacuum that ensues results in a very similar authoritarian regime set up it reminds me of like you know animal farm which is based off of the the, the russian rebellion yeah. but you know the the sars government uh collapsed uh and the you know the people rose up 
But then obviously the resulting regime was a Stalinist regime and how many thousands of, of I think millions of people were, were forcefully imprisoned and killed as part of that regime. It was completely just horribly mismanaged and a, and a great tragedy, but yeah. it's, it, it, this is a little microcosm of that. Whenever people rebel against an authoritarian regime, but there's no, you know, there's nothing to balance the, the, the vacuum of power that ensues, then unfortunately there's, you know, society reverts to its basis instincts. Man, what the last of us can teach us about, <laughs> about <laughs> society. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, it's, um, I, I can't, uh, I can't really add much more to it. I mean, it's, it, I actually just recently reread animal farm, uh, which it's is a fucked not, up book. It is a really fucked up book. It really makes you makes you think. Like it, it's amazing how well he was able to between that book and uh, 1984, how well George Orwell was able to like get it, like capture the like the fucked up things about society and like make it relevant even today. Uh, is is kind of crazy, um, but it's because he's cause he's a smart dude. Yep. Um, I also learned that his name was not actually George Orwell. I think it was like, I know this is like way off topic now, but was it um, Hank Williams? It was not Hank Williams, and it also wasn't Johnny Cash. Um, <laughs> I think it was. Uh, or, oh, Eric Blair. Eric Blair. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. His name is Eric Arthur Blair. But I mean, George, that's a cool name, but that that's shocking to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. I kind of remind, isn't somebody's like Eric isn't Eric Blair like also like somebody who assassinated somebody I feel like Blair I don't know we're, we're getting into like history now like I don't know what, how, yeah, this, I don't how know. this happened but yeah it's the name uh, of a witch the Blair Witch Project yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's probably a good a good spot to end this episode <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, and um, next time we will uh, pick up and uh, talk about the the hotel, which um, is a pretty exciting part of the of the game. It's a so. horrifying part. It's the scariest part of the goddamn game. Yeah. Well, I find those parts exciting. So, oh. <laughs> but I I dread like the entire game leading up to this point. I dread the hotel because of of what happens. Like the the, the I'm like the hunter encounter and obviously what happens in the basement. Like I, as soon as I'm through the basement, it's like, it's like smooth sailing from there on out for uh, the rest of the game. Is it, is- well, yeah. Until, until, you know, like 30 minutes later when you get to the sewers and then I dread that too. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, you yeah, thought this, that- this part is not my favorite. Yeah. This, this part kind of makes the show, in my opinion, the, sh- the show version of the sewers and all that stuff kind of look like a bitch, but I mean, that's just, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> So, well, uh, I'm excited to talk about it, and um, we will see you guys next week. Yes, we will. See you then. Thanks again for tuning into the Cordyceps Crew Podcast, an unofficial Last of Us podcast. If you made it this far into the episode and enjoyed what you heard, please leave a rating and a review wherever you might be listening. Want to reach out to us in person? Feel free to email us at cordycepscrew at gmail.com we may feature your comment in a future episode you can follow us on all of our socials including twitter instagram and youtube for additional content and updates all of which will be linked in the episode description 
And that wraps it up for this week. We look forward to you joining us next week on this journey through The Last of Us. Thanks, guys.